Good morning, everyone. My name is Naya Swami Krishnadas, and this is Naya Swami Bharat. And we'd like to welcome you to our Sunday service this morning, and especially all those of you that are here for the first time and those viewing online. So I'm going to be reading from Rays of the One Light, Weekly Commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. Today's reading is on intuition is simple. The intellect is complex. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 10, we read a passage that Yogananda often quoted. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, As a little child, he shall not enter therein. It has often been noted that a critical attitude tends to paralyze creativity. Good critics, for example, seldom produce works of creative genius, though their creations may be intellectually clever. The intellect separates, it analyzes, then puts things together again, piece by piece. Intellect lacks intuition's flow, which descends smoothly like a river from the superconscious. Paramahansa Yogananda described intuition as the soul's power of knowing God. To receive the kingdom of God, Jesus was saying, one must do so with the openness and trust of a little child. Intellectuals may object to this statement saying, but there must also be discrimination. You wouldn't want a person to be so open-minded that his brain falls out. The truth is, however, that the intellect can be fooled even when it does its best to discriminate wisely. Only intuition is capable of penetrating to the heart of a matter and knowing truth from falsehood. It was the clear understanding of a child, not the elaborately persuaded intellects of his elders, that enabled the child in Hans Christian Andersen's story to cry out in surprise, Why isn't the emperor wearing any clothes? Therefore it was that Krishna said in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, To you who are free from the carping spirit, I shall now reveal wisdom sublime. Grasping it with your mind and perceiving it by intuitive realization, you shall escape the evils of delusion. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, Yogananda's book of mystical poetry. And our reading today will be, Tune us that we may hear thy voice. <clears throat> volumes, of thy savior, uh, volumes of thy Savior voice resound through the loudspeaker of every loving heart. The voice of thy wisdom roams through the ether of space seeking everywhere hearts that are tuned to ecstasy. Sadly, thy warning sermons pass unheard by souls deafened with the static of sense pleasures. O divine broadcaster, tune our souls long distracted by our static of indifference. Fine-tune us with the delicate touch of soul perception. Grant us the privilege of hearing thy magic melodies in ecstasy of divine awakening. Reason can only describe life while it's our intuition that perceives it clearly. Yogananda said that reason and the testimony of the senses is only discovered one millionth of nature reality. That's a pretty small part. Uh, I remember giving a, a workshop, Anandi and I were in Virginia, and one scientist said that uh, I, I don't believe in anything I can't see. And I felt, oh, that's too bad, our world is so small. <laughs> And uh, uh, Paul Brunton described uh, intuition, uh, or uh, he actually described a spiritual experience as simply prolonged uh, intuition, because it's through an intuition that we are able to experience God. One of the first things in order to really start on the path of uh, being more intuitive for, uh, uh, is to um, be open to higher wisdom. And the advice in the reading says to uh, overcome the carping spirit and to get rid of likes and dislikes and preferences. And there's an amusing cartoon uh, that I saw once. And it was a mountain climber uh, climbing a very tall peak. And after many days, he was at the top. And he noticed just above him where the heavenly realm of uh, heaven <laughs> up there. And uh, so he called, saw one promising cloud and he said and called out, is anybody up there? And he heard back from the heavenly cloud, yes, my son, what do you want? And he said, well, do you have any advice on how I should live my life? Yes, I would like you to live it in truth and, uh, and be chaste and honest. And the mountaineer thought for a little bit, and he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> And you've met people like that where sometimes you're in a discussion, you can't even get a word in uh, uh, because they, they've got, they're just fixed. And, uh, you know, they, their mind is made up. Um, it reminds me of Buddha. He said that people of rigid opinions, they go about the world annoying people. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but the worst uh, thing is, is that, you know, how can we learn anything new uh, if, uh, if we're always, we have a set view uh, and uh, we have no chance at all to, to receive inspiration. Uh, it's only when the intellect becomes quiet and the heart is open that we can really receive intuitive guidance. And it's the heart that understands things in a new and a deeper way. Uh, the intellect is just, uh, it stays with what it knows and what it's comfortable with. It doesn't explore new territory. 
Uh, right after I wrote Sharing Nature with Children, I was touring uh, around the United States. I was on the East Coast. And one of my sponsors was a fundamentalist Christian. And he was a, a naturalist, outdoor educator, and he really liked uh, sharing nature, so he sponsored, sponsored a program. And so I went out there, and uh, he, um, he enjoyed the program, and I uh, like to think the program did help to open his heart. And he was a nice man, very nice. And, um, and he saw me pray uh, before I ate and med- meditate a little bit before I spoke and that. And um, so he liked me, but he had a problem. And that's that uh, he was concerned about me because in his uh, worldview that uh, I was going to hell. And uh, he felt sad about that I was going to burn for eternity uh, because he liked me. (laughs) And so I was waiting for my next ride uh, to go into the next uh, location uh, and where I was going to give a program. And he said, Joseph, come upstairs. And we went up to his office and I sat down. I was kind of curious because uh, he seemed kind of rather intent. And then he started praying. And he prayed to Jesus Christ uh, that uh, to please uh, make exception for Joseph and let him into heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us need all the prayers we could get. But I was actually very, very touched because I could just see his heart just opening up and, and, and seeing things in a different way because he was a very good man. And he was having to push beyond his intellect. Uh, and it was his heart that enabled him to do it. Another thing uh, that uh, if we're really going to understand and, uh, intuitively and messages that come to us from our soul and from God is to be still. Bing Crosby said that if you're always talking, how can you hear anything? And uh, psychologists have discovered that uh, the average person has about 1,300 self-talk thoughts a minute. Well, you might think, well, how is that possible? Well, we, we, we flash our brain pictures, and we are able to just see those thoughts in a nanosecond. And can you imagine if somebody's trying to speak to us and we're having 1,300 thoughts a minute, where is there any space? Uh, storytellers talk about in telling stories of pauses are just as much important as the words because that's what gives the power to the words. Well, in this case, uh, we, we, uh, like with Hong Sa, as we were practicing observing the breath uh, today at meditation, uh, in that pause is the Christ consciousness. In that pause uh, is where God will speak to us. There's a, a, a true story that Swami Kriyananda told uh, many years ago. It wasn't about him, but uh, a story that he knew. And in the 1930s, uh, it was a time of the Depression, and people were desperately looking for work. And the local telegraph office uh, advertised a position that they wanted to fill. And on the day that they were going to have the job interviews, 60 anxious men came. Uh, It was before women's rights and everything back then, I guess. But uh, it was just 60 men that came into the room, and they wanted the job. Well, uh, they were all nervous because it was real important that each one of them, they felt personally that they needed the job. Uh, And so they kind of covered up their um, anxiousness by joking and talking with each other. And uh, it got kind of loud in there. But there was one man who was rather quiet, and he sat by uh, the door of the office and just sat there very still. And then uh, 
the door opened and they beckoned him in. Or, or actually, he opened the door and he, he went in. And a little bit later, he opened the door and he walked out with a smile, a, a kind of a, a small smile on his face. And then the, the owner who was hiring for that physician, he said, I want to thank you all for coming today, but we filled the physician. Well, why did the, the quiet man get the physician? Well, while everybody was talking, uh, the owner had tapped out a message in Morse code that said, if you can hear this message, come in and accept the job. And that's what the man did, and he got the job. And that's what really uh, it takes, isn't it? It's that quiet. Yogananda said that um, God doesn't talk to most people because they only want to argue with him. (laughs) Sister Gautamada, Yogananda's uh, most advanced uh, woman disciple, uh, she said that, I'm always quiet in the presence of the master. And I had an inner feeling of stillness. And that made the words that I heard from him sink deep into my mind and heart. She was so intuitive, I could feel Yogananda's vibrations. One time she had a rather severe illness since she was in Washington. And Yogananda, uh, the state of Washington, and Yogananda was in New York City. And he sent her vibrations, and she felt those vibrations, and she was healed of that uh, illness. Uh, She, uh, in her later years, when she was too ill, she wasn't able to go to Sunday service, but she would listen. And when Master would come to visit her, she would thank him for the words that he shared at Sunday service. And Master would say, you heard that, didn't you? Uh, did you? <laughs> because she was just so intuitive. It just, could just was feeling Master. She was so open to Master. Swami Kriyananda told us that um, he went through a phase in his life where in every situation, he would think to himself, how would Master think? How would Master respond? And then he realized that this was, didn't go far enough. And he, he, he got to a point where he wanted every thought to be Master's thought, Yogananda's thought. And, uh, and, and after a while, there was just no separation. He didn't know where Swami Kriyananda left off and, and Yogananda began. It was just all one be- uh, beautiful attunement. And, you know, Swami Kriyananda has created so many beautiful things. He's created the community. You know, he's really created all of us in terms of the training and his magnetism. And, you know, but just one example, he wrote uh, the essence of the Bhagavad Gita in two months. And that only could have taken place because of the perfect attunement that he had with Yogananda. We need to live in the divine will. The Mahuts, the elephant drivers in India, they say that nature hears one voice that they obey. Otherwise, how could 10,000 birds fly off the water and not touch or hit each other? I have a friend who um, I went to the university. He was one of the best birders in the Pacific uh, states. And he was a little bit of a shaman in terms of when it comes to birds. And he saw uh, the divine through, through the birds. And he was so fascinated how the shorebirds would just all turn uh, at the same point like this. 
And so he took uh, movies of the, the shorebirds because he wanted to look for the leader. And he couldn't find the leader because uh, he slowed it down. And he just saw that I think they just have one mind uh, that turns them instantaneously back and forth like that. And you've probably all watched, uh, watched it and been thrilled by that. Well, I was uh, thinking about uh, that and kind of uh, the Mahout said that only men listen to their, uh, uh, mankind listens to their own voice. And Yogananda said that we're comprised of uh, hundreds of mental citizens. And our, some are for this, some are for that. And we're all, the, the, our spines are paralyzed because the energy, uh, all the desires and, uh, are pointed every which way. And we aren't just really, really clear. And, uh, you know, and, and we're conflicted inside. And, and so that's why uh, the intellect is confusing uh, and, and complex because of all that uh, is really in harmony within ourselves. And Kriya Yoga and the path of meditation and uh, d- uh, devotional service and seeing God in each other and prayer, uh, it helps us to just create a flow of energy uh, to spirit and really refines that and just like a river flowing uh, strongly uh, and just carries all its eddies away because of the strong current. And that, of course, what happens on the path of yoga. Yogananda said that God is always speaking to us through the cosmic vibration. Sometimes he talks to me in Bengali, sometimes in English when he gives me uh, you know, words of counsel and ideas uh, or, or, and thoughts. And uh, he said that wonderful realizations come to us when we're communing with the Om vibration. And he said that in Om, uh, we give up our individual will and we merge with the divine will. And Swami Kriyananda wrote a beautiful uh, meditation in super, uh, super consciousness. And I'd like to read it, and I'd like you to sit upright and close your eyes. Well, I read this. Imagine a choir composed of every atom in the universe, each one an individual, but all of them singing together in blissful harmony. In your own mind, join that mighty choir composed of all life, determined from today on to sing in harmony with the universe. Don't impose on the great anthem of life your little wishes for how you want the music to sound. Unite your notes to, the, to that infinite sound. The more you do so, the more deeply you will know yourself to be an expression of the soaring anthem of infinity. Okay, you can open your eyes. Some years ago, I was traveling, and I was teaching a meditation class at a um, Unitarian church. And afterwards, at dinner, the, uh, the minister was talking with me, and he shared an experience. And he said that uh, there was a time in my life where I had a, a tremendous inharmonious situation, and I couldn't figure out what to do to resolve it. And I would pray... Uh, every day, several times a day, and I just didn't know what to do. And then one night on my bed, I heard the sound 
of a great rushing sea and wind. And I actually even felt that wind. And then he turned to me after telling that story and said, what was that? What, what, what was that? And I told him that he heard the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, which Christ said was a comforter. And he said, well, it's very, very interesting because once I had that experience, I felt very reassured and I knew that everything was going to be okay. And it was. And, you know, God comes to us, you know, not just as the own vibration, but his bliss, his joy, his love, really, because the own vibration is really just God's presence in creation. And, uh, and through his love, his joy, wisdom, all his qualities uh, come through that vibration. And when you, uh, many of us know the technique of listening to the inner sounds, and that's a constant voice that's just steady. It's the most tangible reality in existence in all the uh, three realms. And it's just constant. And, and it's, I was thinking about, as I was meditating on Om this morning before service, how steady it is, but also how steady, you know, to make that steady in our prayer, in our practice of Kriya Yoga, uh, in, in, in our service, uh, to have that sense of steadiness because uh, it's, that creates a, a tremendous magnetism that will help us to really draw the divine presence and divine inspiration and insight. God is very, very simple, it said. It's man that makes things complex. God and the great ones are beyond all duality, beyond all opposites, Let us reside in their holy presence. Bless you.